Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, D&D enthusiasts. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my co-host, Sir Lucian. Wave hello. Hello, everybody. Um, and this is our D&D show where you guys know. You, you've, at this point, you probably know. But we talk about Dungeons & Dragons, uh, the games that we're currently playing, and anything else that kind of like pops into our heads for uh, just general discussion. So thank you for, for watching us. Um, this morning, uh, I was thinking a lot about Pathfinder 2 still. Um, and this isn't on our show notes, sorry. I'm like throwing you a curveball. But <laughs> I was thinking that um, I think that Pathfinder 2 is going to reinvigorate the, the um, RPG community again. Like just like fifth edition kind of like reinvigorated everything. And you, you always say it's this renaissance of RPG games. Like I think Pathfinder 2 is going to do that same thing because Dungeons and Dragons players are going to be curious enough to try Pathfinder 2. And then that's going to open up into trying a whole bunch of other other games possibly. And mm -hmm. I don't know, like, is that something, do you think that's going to happen or, <laughs> or is it just going to be the Pathfinder 2 people do the Pathfinder thing? Yeah, yeah, because like if you listen to a lot of like everybody's doing a Pathfinder two video right now, right? They're all giving yeah. Their there's so many all out the there. main channels, and I think it's because most of those channels that you go to right now for D and D advice were around, or starting right around that time that Pathfinder was more popular, right? Because fourth edition wasn't giving the player base everything that they wanted. Um, and Pathfinder was still kind of popular. So a lot of those D&D guys were still, they were Pathfinder guys in some ways. Yeah. Because that's what they were playing. They were playing that 3.5. So then 5e hits. And I think it's it's weird because you'd have to look at why it became popular. But, you know, the game's pretty good. Um, I think not only did, I, everybody kind of credits Critical Role, but I think it was other stuff too. Like, you know, Stranger Things brought yeah. a lot of people back into D and D all of a sudden that had nothing to do with critical role. Um, there was also, you know, uh, Vin Diesel's articles going out about how he plays D and D on set. Those things were starting to happen just as critical role started getting going. Will Wheaton was putting out games on their channel on the geek and sundry channel just before critical role went. So there was a whole groundswell. You could watch it on community. They had a whole couple episodes yep. on playing dungeons and dragons. Um, Freaks and so geeks. there's this whole thing, even Reno nine one one, that old comedy show, you had um, Patton Oswalt yeah. <laughs> as the dungeon master that they would come and break up and they'd have a guy with blood on him. He's like, but he wouldn't follow the rules, yeah. you know? And it was just like, the... so D&D &D has slowly been creeping into everything that we watch and coming back around as being something that um, I think everybody was getting into. So it was all, and as Matt Colville will always say, it was like lightning in a bottle, right at the right yeah. time, right at the right moment. Critical role happens all right at the right moment. So all that stuff happens. So... Going back to your question, is Pathfinder going to have that same thing right now? Lightning in the bottle. Are they going to be releasing at the right time? Or are they too soon? Or are they too late? That's the question. Because that's interesting to me. Everybody's liking 5th edition right now. Like Everybody is really high well, on how good of game it plays. People like people like fifth edition, I think. Um, well, and to go back to what you were saying, like lightning in a bottle and all this stuff, I think... We can, we can generally say that the success of 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons was because of streaming and podcasts. Because, yeah. uh, and, and Critical Role was popular, and a lot of these things are popular, but it was because of streaming and podcasts that 
I'm a general player that's never been exposed to Dungeons and Dragons. How do I play? What do I do? All of that seems really daunting, but it's really easy if I'm curious for me to listen to a podcast or watch a live stream. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I get it. I see how it's done. I see how it's played. Now I want to play it. I think I can do this. I'm going to like jump in and do all this other stuff and, and I'm going to start playing D&D. So I really think that it's just been the streaming and podcast community in general that has really like like the success of Dungeons and Dragons. And if we think about that, then yeah, Pathfinder 2 is on the tail end of that. Like, or they're trying to play catch up because yeah. I, I can't, I, t- I listen to a lot of D&D podcasts because I like D&D. I don't listen to any Pathfinder stuff except for Harmon Quest. That's right. the only that's yeah, the Dan only Harmon. show that that is Pathfinder centric, but they don't even advertise that they're Pathfinder. They're just like we're just playing a role playing game, and it's not Dungeons and Dragons, but we're not sponsored by Pathfinder, so we're not going to say that it's Pathfinder. So yeah. I don't know. It's kind of I think I think with Pathfinder two coming out um, more so than Starfinder. I think Pathfinder 2 is going to have a lot more podcasts. There's going to be some more streams on it because it's going to be new and different. And the people like me that consume Dungeons and Dragons media, like Critical Role, et cetera, are going to be curious enough to like jump in. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to blossom and take off. Yeah. So depending yeah, if the and, rules are good, which I'm assuming they're going to be, but who yeah. knows? <laughs> well, and, and adding to that, I think you're right. I think pop culture is the thing that's driving the initial interest, but I think it's the streaming and podcasting that is allowing people to say, I've heard this interesting thing. Yeah. When I go to find out about it, where do I go? Because I was just listening to Adam and Matt and all those guys talk about, they want to do a, a lecture about how streaming is changing the game. It's, it's changing role-playing tabletop games. Yes. And why? And it was because that if before, let's say you had a pop culture reference 10 years ago, and you heard about this Dungeons and Dragons game or whatever game it was, and you wanted to find out about it, the only way you could do that is maybe go get a magazine, maybe go to your game store and talk to somebody that happens to be Mm -hmm. at the game store and catch something that's going on. But more, it was conventions that were driving people that were brand new. They would go to a convention, they would sit in a game, and they would play. But that switched. It's not the conventions driving those new players in to say, hey, I've never played before, but I just want to try it out. Now I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's the rise of the podcast. It's the rise. And really podcasts before stream, right? Because podcasts yeah. have been going and building. Streaming is now the new thing, but it's still podcast streaming, YouTubing, that whole thing. Probably podcast, YouTube, streaming yeah. would probably be the right timeline. And it's all building and driving that up. So I think um, it'll be interesting. Are you going to have Pathfinder on your channel? I mean, are we going to see Pathfinder games on oh, Jordan's man. channel? Are we going to see pathfinder videos i think i need to stay to my like i might do a friday vlog about pathfinder but i think i have to stay true to my roots and my audience because they they come to my channel for forgotten realms lore and i think they would be forgiving if i or even encouraging if i blossomed into other lore like spelljammer or um greyhawk or something like that uh eberron was the word i couldn't think of i was blanking on the word eberron um, where if I kind of like continue with the lore, but I don't know, that's, uh, that's something for me to really ponder about if I want to do some vlogs or something on Pathfinder too. I think it would be interesting because I could, um, talk about other role-playing games. So I would like to make videos like that, but it's all kind of, yeah. What, what am I subscribing to? Yeah, you gotta play to your you audience. Never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, to me, 
it will be successful if it provides something we're not getting right now, right? Because that's that's all any product that's ever successful ever is. It, it provides something that you don't have at the moment. Everybody said, oh, now that we have it, this is great, and mm-hmm. it all becomes popular. So are the crop of RPGs that are out there that you can get into right now, are they not providing something? And then Pathfinder 2 is going to come around and say, oh, here's this thing you've always wanted. Now everybody can jump on that. Because yeah. even Critical Role, if you think about it, their game was Pathfinder before they started streaming. Yeah. So even Matthew Mercer, the guy who I would say many people have been crediting as the the person that's you know brought D&D back, argue away in comments if you want, even he was playing Pathfinder just before that show launched. Like 5th edition... They switched at the very last minute or, you know, and in their test thing. And then they went fifth edition for their first episode on, on um, Geek and Sundry. Yeah. So that tells you something that even they were playing Pathfinder. There was something D&D was not providing to them. So they went to a different system. Yeah. Then fifth edition came by. They started playing it. It's now providing everything they need. You know, I don't see them switching to Pathfinder 2. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. Not, yeah. not, not while they're under Geek and Sundry, I don't think. Because... Right. That Dungeons and Dragons brand is just important to them. So I don't yeah. know. It was uh, it was something I've been thinking about a lot the last couple of days. And um, Indoor Adventure, you had a really good comment here. You said that you've seen four to five coworkers get into D and D and Adventure League because of streams. I actually ran into, and this is getting ahead of ourselves in the show, I guess. But I ran into a guy at Adventure League, and I asked him if he was running any other games. And he said, oh, no, I don't run games. I'm, I'm actually new to d and I'm here because I don't know how to play. And he didn't listen to podcasts or didn't watch streams. He was just like, he went to the D&D website. He plays a lot of board games. So he went to the D&D website, and he's like, how do I get into this other board game, this RPG board game? Um from his mentality. And so he just showed up to adventure league to like do that. And it blew me away. I'm like, man, I'm here after like a year and a half of listening to podcasts and watching stuff like that. Like it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm see, I'm one of those people that too, like the minute I hear something, I've got to get into it. You know, like one, once I saw one game or heard about one game, that was it. I need to do it. Yeah. I, I saw one thing about magic, the gathering. I jumped into that when it first came out. Cause I saw one game of it. I was like, Oh my God, this is it. Like it jumped into it big or um, the SCA that I do where we do medieval reenactment. I went to a park one day. They were out there practicing, hitting each other with, you know, swords and armor. I'm like, that's it. I need to know everything there is possible to know about this because I need to be doing it. <laughs> you know? So I'm definitely one of those guys that jumps in probably way too quick. Probably one of those people that jumps to lots of hobbies all the time. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, oh, I want to do RC cars. I want to do this, you know, whatever yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> Well, speaking so. of just jumping in, what did you do yeah. in your games this week? Because you had a pretty successful week of D&D, it looks like. Pretty pretty good. I, I'm feeling bad because each time we start our shows out, um, you talk about, I didn't get to play on Sunday with your friends. And I just, know. I feel so bad about talking about all the d and I'm getting to play in Jordan. No, well, I had, but, yeah, you know I had what? my two games. So okay. I, I'm not <laughs> like, it's not the saddest thing in the world. But I haven't, I, it's been like a month now, I think, that we haven't played. Like, I haven't ran D&D in a long time. And, yeah. and it's just like my friends, they're all busy. They're all um, local actors. So a lot of it is like I've got rehearsal, I've got a show or and some of them are teachers. So they're theater teachers and they're like, I really need to finish building this set. So I have to go in on Sunday and build the set. And I'm like, uh, we chose. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. We chose Sunday to play because we knew that that would be the day that we could 
potentially always have off because we would have rehearsals and stuff on the other days of the week. Um, and it just ha- doesn't work out sometimes, you know, life happens. Yeah. yeah theater. My, my friend, his wife is the costume designer at Western Michigan university for all the mm. shows there. And she is constantly under this huge pressure to get stuff done and ready for a show that's coming up lots of hours working weekends mm-hmm. and then the show will happen they get a small respite and then oh now time to gear up for the next show so i definitely understand the yeah. crazy schedule of <laughs> even though i'm not in it or anything like that but i, I understand that that group's scheduling is crazy <laughs> so D. so well i did see i thought was a great note here you had in our notes like happy saint patrick's day to everybody right oh that's so, right that's it's saint patrick's day i didn't um, wear green I yeah, we failed. <laughs> no, no. They, well, they tell you never wear green on screen because then they'll just replace it with something else. I totally <laughs> was like, oh, it's St. Patrick's Day. We're gonna do all this great stuff. Or not great stuff, but like we're gonna have a show on St. Patrick's Day. That's so fun. And then we both forgot to wear green. Yeah, pinch yeah. says Cyberwolf. Yeah, there thank you, you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, but back into Dungeons and Dragons. What I, so Monday night went off uh, as normal. Storm King's Thunder is still going on. Our players funny enough ended up half of them found themselves in jail again for the second episode in a row different town different jail different complete reason not related to the first one i don't know what they're doing but they're this pattern of them getting in trouble with the law has been pretty funny um this one had to do with uh they went up to mirabar in forgotten realms probably a town you've heard of yep and in the description in the storm king's thunder book it talks about in mirabar their security is very paranoid about being attacked because it was a town that had been overrun by orcish attacks in the past so they have outlawed map making okay and i thought okay kind of a throwaway sentence to put in the description just to say map making is outlawed right up until i remembered our monk jarl the dark elf makes maps everywhere he goes constantly he's always <laughs> his rp moment is I'm drawing a map of where we are. I'm, I'm, I'm adding to my map. So of course he's walking down the streets. They're trying to find information. He pulls his map making tools out and he's making a map of the town. And I thought, well, if they mentioned it in the description, I've got to do this. So the guards grab him. Hey, you're breaking the law. We're throwing you in jail. And they were just like, what's going on? So we played that whole thing out. Um, they've got their buddy out. They talked to the main guy and uh, they're on their way. Finally, they're, they're heading out to a, another part of the adventure the burial ground to to find some artifacts so they're back on track they got through that so that was pretty good um what's been really fun about that too is in storm king's thunder it's not really a spoiler or anything but they've acquired an airship so it's been fun to have an airship to allow them to get around to the places in forgotten realms and one thing i can recommend if you're running a game in forgotten realms which is so big and you're using the map by about fifth level you want to provide them something that allows them to get around quicker. Yeah. Right? You know, in those early levels being kind of central to a couple of locations and and it taking a long time so it forces them to stay kind of in their home area for a while is good, but eventually they hit that fifth level and they really need to start fighting the big stuff and and, and engaging in the big things that are going on. The distances are enormous at that point, so you want to start you got to give them away. So there's like uh, teleport circles or mm-hmm. you know find some way to get your players around so they can go around and, and and that allows them to be part of the realm versus part of just this town or something so yeah the like surrounding areas yeah which yeah. is great for low level stuff like if you're level one to three 
it's awesome. Like, Hey, there's a giant spider in this cave. We need you to go take care of it. You travel a couple days to this cave and take care of the spider and come back to town and resupply. Like those are great adventures for, yeah. But when you're fifth, fifth level and higher, you kind of want a broader scope of the whole world. And yeah, travel is, is definitely a problem. Give them a, mm-hmm. give them dirt bikes. Yeah, there you go. Fantasy dirt bikes. <laughs> Pegasus, Griffins. Come on, do the good stuff. Uh, there's a good question in chat. The dungeon in the background, is it real or Photoshop? That is a real drawn dungeon from uh, Jordan. Yeah. Uh, though I don't know if he's used it in any of his games, but he drew it on his <laughs> battle map for our for our show. Yeah, yeah. And I threw some <laughs> dice on there, and then uh, I put it on the ground and shined some lights on it and then held my, my digital camera up in this, like, funky way to get the photo and then put it in uh, Lightroom and kind of touched it up there. But yeah, it's a real photo. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. He's got lots of cool dice too. I noticed. <laughs> so uh, Thursday night came out. Now this one is now Storm King Slender is my officially run, you know, Wizards of the Coast module that my friends wanted to try out. Let's run a, an official module, not just, you know, something we made up. Then Borderlands, my Thursday night game is my, is, is my kind of indulgence of here's my game that I'm making my pre-West Marches, I keep saying, because it's not the true West Marches yet, but it's going to be. This is like the test campaign of it first to make yeah. sure I got things ironed out. And they uh, went back into a temple. They fought some Vegapygmies out of Volos guys, which is really, really cool creatures. They, uh, they can regenerate. So it's kind of like fighting not as tough trolls. Okay. But there's lots of them. So there was a really cool moment where our fighter ran into a room, big great sword in hand, hacks one in half, because these things have like nine or 10 hit points about, and he just 12 hit points of damage on this one. And he uses his action surge, hits another one, another 12 points, and he's just feeling really good. The round goes, comes around, those things get their regeneration back, they grab him from the ground and he freaks out at that point. So <laughs> there's this cool moment of not really, because they had never seen it. so. And when I was talking to the players, they said one of the things that they're really liking about the um, the mod or the adventure, the the campaign, is that they're fighting things they've never fought before. Oh yeah, and I thought that's, that's a powerful thing to remember when you have veteran players, that when you can surprise them with something or you can give them something they've never fought before, even if you change it somehow, like, even oh, if it's a, a goblin again, yeah. like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're into it because all of a sudden they're they're getting surprises they weren't expecting, right? You know, you send them in after orcs, there's not a lot of surprises. Maybe the dice don't go their way. Maybe they do. Maybe their plan works. But there's no surprise in that fight yeah. that's going to happen. But the 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 chopped-in-half Vegapygmy who reheals himself and then grabs your inner thigh as it starts to climb up and starts clawing at you as you're standing over it, that freaks your player out pretty quick. That's cool. And then they got hit pretty hard because I was rolling pretty good. So all of a sudden, he takes some big damage, and it's just like, whoa, what's going on? It was really good. <laughs> From really the little guy? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so that's been really good. Um, lots of good RP in it. That campaign is really starting to turn out to be one of my favorites. I think it's the best one. I wish I was streaming it, but it's for a group of friends that weren't necessarily comfortable with maybe streaming a game or right. being on camera and that kind of stuff. It's different. It's um, a different beast to like be performing, yeah. you know? Like you can't you don't I don't feel like I can just play and have fun sometimes. You feel like you're like, "Well, people are watching me. I how do I make this entertaining?" You know? Yeah. That's it, that's difficult. So <laughs> Yeah. And I and I wanted to be careful because, you know, sometimes they have stuff that happens in their background 
that, you know, when you're doing a show, you're trying to minimize a lot of that stuff. So you're, you're trying to get as minimal of, you know, the dog barking in the background or the kids running yeah. through the, through the thing. But for that one, some of that stuff's happening, but it's such a good game because they are role playing really well. They're having a great time doing it. You can tell they're liking the campaign. So if your players are really into it, there's nothing better than enthusiastic players, right? Because mm-hmm. that is the perfect thing for a DM because you can do no wrong at that point. When they're really into the game, they don't care what you throw at them. They're just having a good time. So enthusiastic players, try to get as many of those as you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Put good players in your game and you'll have more fun. Pro tip. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the secret. The secret. <laughs> you guys got it. <laughs> so those were the two D&D games I ran. Um Next week, I'm going to give a little preview of next week because next week is chocked full of Dungeons and Dragons on my channel. So, Storm King's Thunder on Monday. Uh, Tomb of Annihilation Adventure League comes back on Tuesday on Anaris' channel. So, we're bringing back Nomadic, me and PB. I think she's playing on like on an iPad or something. We're coming back, okay. Tomb of Annihilation. So, we're going to see that on Tuesday night. Wednesday night, I'm running a one shot game of, called The Crypts of Kelimvor. And this is for the Dragon Plus Magazine adventure that was released by some of the developers at Neverwinter MMORPG, the game, the actual online game Mm -hmm. you can play. And I'm going to run through that adventure with one of my subscribers to the channel. So they subscribed last, uh, they subscribed two weeks ago to um, our Twitch channel. So they, I offered them a chance to play in one of our games. And we've got some new players in that. We've got some returning regular cast members in that. And we're going to stream it Wednesday night. Thursday night, Borderlands comes back. Friday, I get a night off finally, so that's one night <laughs> off. Saturday, Saturday morning D and D show with guest. I don't know if we'll tease yep. that. I'll let you. I'll let you talk about that in a second. Yeah. Or we can just tease it. And then Sunday, I have a special guest coming on the Standard Array show. I'm going to be talking to CJ, and I want to say his name right, Leong, who is from Australia. He runs the YouTube channel for D and D content which is Don't Stop Thinking. Mm-hmm. He does a very creative YouTube channel on how to play classes, how to be a dungeon master. Well, he just went to PAX Australia, and he ran Adventure League games as a DM. So we're going to have him on Sunday night, and me and him are going to talk a little bit about running games at conventions and, and more D&D stuff. So, um, so that's going to be cool. So two guests next week, uh, CJ and then our, our mystery guest. I'll let you when, you when you do your thing. So... Definitely don't miss next week uh, at all because there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. You've got a busy week full of so, lots of yeah. stuff. What's Jordan's week been like? Um, So Monday, I always play Numenera. Not always, but we'll play for like, I think it's like nine sessions or something we're playing of Numenera. Um, That's not enough. You need no, more. probably not. And we who knows? We might continue because like it's just fun. But Saver Dice likes to do seasons. So we might do like season two and continue playing. I'm having a lot of fun with it. So I, and I really like my character, Ari, who's this, um, oh, what are they called? Uh, Glaive, but basically yeah. like a big, strong barbarian brute type with a big hammer and a metal arm. So he's really cool. Um, it was a role play heavy, kind of exploring heavy game. We went to, um, we found a city at the center of this area that we're, that we're hanging out and, uh, we just were exploring the city, but, and there's nothing like super notable to say, I guess. Uh, but I wanted to talk about that 
after the show, um, we were talking to the GM, Mike, and he was just like, guys, I improvised that whole thing. Like, I thought you were going to go left, you went right. And so we just improvised the entire thing. And it got me thinking about how how often has that happened to you or happened to me where you kind of like, okay, like they're going to definitely go down this path and they're going to talk to this person and then we'll, we'll segue into this. And they come up with some like legitimately awesome reason not to like, it's like, no, I, I want to go explore over here. And, uh, Mike was thinking that we would go and talk to the people at the gate and kind of explore around the city for some reason. But we were like, no, we want to go into the city. Um, but he improvised a really great session. So I guess I wanted to talk about like, how often do you improvise? Does it make you nervous? Um, would you feel comfortable just writing like, like, a, like Mike was saying that he writes like a couple sentences before a game. He's like, here's kind of what I want to happen. Here's what, here's the background of the area, but he'll literally write like one or two sentences and then just like improvise everything else. Um, I, can't say that I've done that. And when he told me that he was doing this, I was just like, I don't know if I could do that. Like maybe I could. I mean, I do a lot of improv and uh, I'm an actor. So like I, I improv quite a bit, but to, to create the whole kind of like shape a world from scratch is pretty intense. Yeah. Um, specifically there was a point where Silica, um, and I think like we helped create the world more than I'm giving us credit for because Silica was like, I want to find a bar. I want to like try and find a place and like talk to somebody. So then immediately Mike was like, oh, like, okay, yeah, you find like a, some kind of like eating establishment, some, something like that. And, uh, we go inside and it's not like a typical bar, but we can definitely like get some kind of weird drinks out of it. Um, and he was keeping it to the theme of the game but making it that like we wanted a bar, we found a bar, you know? Yeah. Um, and then we were like, we need a place to kind of like rest up for the night. And it's like, okay, well yeah, you find a place that you want to rest up. It's next to this tower. And so then we're like, Oh, well now we have a tower to explore. Like, can we go around the tower? Can we go in the tower? And they're like, there's, there's no doors in the tower. And one of our players can like phase through walls. So he's like, well, I want to phase through the wall to see what's in this tower. And again, Mike's like, well, I've got to like improvise the entire thing. (laughs) And he did a great job. Like he phased into the tower and um, started getting like pulled into the tower. Like something was pulling him and we didn't know what was happening. So we're trying to like pull him back out. But because he's like phased through stuff, we can't really like grab onto him because our hands go right through. And on the inside of the tower, he saw all these like arcane symbols and, and it was just kind of like a weird spatial void of symbols floating around. Uh, really cool stuff that and really creative stuff that kind of just came out of nowhere. And I don't know, like, I think I I think I prep more than I should after after like listening to Michael and stuff. I, well, I prep enough for Jordan, I should say. But like, I don't know, part of me wants to try that and maybe maybe uh if I run hot springs Island, that's kind of a, that, that adventure is, is really understand the world that you're playing in and then let your players do whatever they want. Cause it's a true sandbox yeah. mm-hmm. and they can go wherever they want and they can interact with whoever they want. And I think that's what Michael's doing. Like he's got a really good sense of this entire world of Numenera. Like he's played Numenera before he's really loves it. And so when he understands the world of Numenera, it lends itself to being, um, uh, just being comfortable to improvise an entire session like that. So 
Yeah, and Greybeard, and eight-hour session off of three by five index cards, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, like just I'm gonna make some key characters. I'm gonna make like a couple locations, and then we're gonna throw those uh, completely out the window because my players decided to go left rather than right. So yeah, and I, I think know. it it depends what you mean prep is right because to me a lot of my time for DM prep is more about map making getting yeah. stats ready for things that they're going to encounter. Um, maybe getting some type of art to give them some visual cues, maybe finding the music I want for a scene mm -hmm. and then maybe thinking about, but my prep time isn't a lot about thinking about what story element they're going to follow. Cause I never mm -hmm. can guess what the heck they're going to do. So it seems to me that when I say DM prep, I'm talking about the physical prep, like because I'm we're running games online, so I'm having to get maps ready, right? Get tokens ready, get character sheets in, make sure all that stuff's ready. It's not necessarily the I need to branch out the seven different ways that um, this conversation could go, and then that might lead them to here, or there, or there. Because like I'm assuming he didn't draw the tower out on the map, and you guys didn't move miniatures, yeah, that's onto true. a map, yeah. right? So it, to me, I'm, I think it's, you, still a, you're, a, you're kind of saying that you already do this. Like, you're just like, yeah. I, I prep visual things that my players need, um, stats that my players need, but like, like, and I guess in contrast to that, I really do prep the story. A lot of times I'm like, yeah, okay, here's okay. seven NPCs. Here's their backstory. Like I'm prepping things like that. And that's kind of what I mean by prep because like yeah, you gotta you gotta find monsters for them to fight, and I do that as well. And I I now that I say that out loud, like yeah, I consider that to be prep as well. But like I I stat out a lot of NPCs, I stat out a lot of locations. Um, here's like four possible locations they can go to, and here are the NPCs that are in there. Here's the adventure hooks that are in those locations. Like that's kind of what I mean by prep. Um, yeah. But if I make those four locations and they decide to go to the magical fifth location, that's the one that I have to make up all by myself. And yeah. so that's kind of what blew me away with Mike because he he was just like, no, I was planning on you guys going this way. And so he made up all those NPCs on the fly. He created this whole world, like this tower, the magic in it and all this other stuff. And I don't know. Yeah, I think it can be good. I think it can be daunting. I don't know if everybody can be good at it, you know? Um, like we were talking about, there are some things where you have to practice to get better. So you sometimes have to practice improving your game to get better. Yeah. So you've got to be willing to at first not be good at it, but trying to do it over and over because only through failure do we actually learn anything, right? Do we actually yeah. improve our skills? And so to me, I think I think you need a little bit of both and maybe you start prepping. I, I think story stuff is cool for a DM because that's where your fun is, right? That's where your world building or your idea spaghetti that's you know up on the on the wall idea is what spaghetti. gives you like your that. fun. <laughs> and their fun is the exploring and getting things for their character. Mm -hmm. And actually, here's the thing that I think is actually more true. In some ways, they might engage with your world and think it's pretty cool, but it's not the reason they're coming to play. The reason they're coming to play is because they have a cool character that they've created Mm -hmm. and their head has a cool story or is about to have a cool story and they want to see progression of that character yeah right they don't care so much about the, the i think it's a, a side bonus that our world we provide to them is cool and they like that but their focus is my character needs to get the third level 
right? My character needs to get to fourth level. Oh, I just got this new magic yeah. item. I can't wait to use it in battle. That's what's bringing them back session after session after session. And we forget, I think, sometimes that for us, what brings us back for session after session is they explored my temple I put in there. Yeah. Oh, they found that new pantheon god that I kind of snuck in there. Oh, did they figure out that intrigue that the butler is the one that really actually murdered the person? And it wasn't, you know, like those little things are what we're thinking about. So it's funny that we're there for different reasons, but we're all getting the same result, which is fun, storytelling, yeah. a good time. And we're coming at it from different angles. So. Yeah, that's true. I think uh, I think improv is good, but I know a lot of that scares a ton of people from never becoming a DM because yeah. they hear all these shows, they go to all these uh, advice places, and they said, "Well, just improv. You don't have to prep too much. You just improv." Yeah. But as somebody who's brand new to DMing or GMing a game, that is not the advice you want to hear. Like because you just don't you don't know how to improv because you never even ran a game yet. Right. right? So it's like this. Uh, maybe I just won't, you know, because it's just too much pressure. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to just make stuff up on the, on the fly. So I, I always try to caution. I know you're big on improv. You're a theater guy. Theater guys are always going to be, come <laughs> on, you can just do it. You just get up there and you let it go. And I, I get it, but I want to make sure new GMs out there that are worried about starting their campaign. It's okay. If you prep a little bit in the first one or two that you run, eventually you're going to get to that point that I think me and Jordan talk about a lot is you'll improv a lot later on, but yeah. don't worry if that first one, if you over just so that you're comfortable and just so that you feel good about it. And so that you do it, don't let that not, don't let that stop you from being a DM or a GM, that fear overcome that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I think a, a turning point for me for improving in games was I read the lazy dungeon master uh, by Sly Flourish. And that's a great yeah, book Sly's where he, good. He, he's basically says what we've been saying in here, but to a better degree of explanation of kind of like how, how do you just kind of allow basically like allowing your players to create the world for you? Like you, you think, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And no, it's like, no, just ask them like, like, what do you, not what do you see, I guess, but like you come up to a city guard, what is he wearing? You know? What is he, yeah. what is he like, what do you see when you walk up to the city guard? And it's like, Oh, well, for some reason he's got like two feathers in his hat. And then, and then you take that and you start being like, well, they're a weird feather hierarchical society where the more feathers in your hat, the higher up you are on the like political mm -hmm. chain or something. So I don't know. Here, here, here's one more thing too. There, and I'm doing this through experience. So storm King's thunder I'm running. So I have to go to the module. I have to read what's supposed to happen. I have to think about that. And then I have to think about all the different ways my characters might do something with that so that i don't know how they're going to do it but i'm having to yeah. think of all it so it feels like a lot more initial prep because i'm running the module because yeah. i'm trying to follow what it does in my borderlands game where i've made up the entire world it's i do like one hour of just thinking about it just before the game starts and we're in we're flying nice but here's the thing here's what you're not getting out of doing the work because if you <laughs> improv everything after your session you have to go back and write all that stuff down for the most part if you're going to try to keep some type of consistency. Right. So if you invent a church in a town, that's canon now, right? So yep. if you say the guards all wear red cloaks and that's how they symbolize them, and then you come back the next session and you're like, oh, the purple cloaked guards go by, that's going to throw some stuff off. So your prep doesn't happen before. It's not prep anymore. It's like, what, what's the, what's the, 
if prep is before the the thing, what's the after thing? Like, I don't want to say homework, but that's the wrong analogy. (laughs) You've got to do the, you've got to put the work in after the session to get all that stuff remembered and and written down and be ready. And so there's where your prep ends up being. It's not before the session, it's after. So you don't get out of it, right? You're still doing the work, really. It's just when are you going to do it? Yeah, exactly. So. All right, that's my rambling. Sorry. No, no, you're good. <laughs> um, and then the other bit of D and D stuff I did this week was um, I went to Adventures League again, and I'm having more and more fun with Adventures League because I'm I think I'm getting the right dungeon master, and there are some players that kind of annoy me, but like for the most part, they're like good people and they're really interested in the game. Um, but the problem is, is like every time I show up, like one of the DMs isn't there or something happened. Um, where it's like, well, you need to play at this new table if you want to play. So I've started new games like four or five times now. Like I'm level three and I have yet to be in a consistent party. Um, And unfortunately, the DMs that show up on a consistent basis, they already have their like six or seven people that are in their group. So they have been running, you know, Tomb of Annihilation and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, it sounds so much fun. Like I'd like a more consistent, you know, game. So unfortunately... Well, it's good and bad. So what's good is the store is recognizing that they need to get more consistent game masters because more people are showing up to play. Um, so they this session, they had um, this new guy and he's like, I'm going to be your dungeon master and we're going to hopefully make this more consistent and you guys are going to play with me. Um, he's like, really funny though. He's like, unless you don't like me and then you can tell me to just you know go away and, and you can go to a different table. Like, I don't care. But... He said, we're going to run Sunless Citadel, which is I've already played two sessions of Sunless Citadel. And so now we're starting over with Sunless Citadel. So I was like, oh, uh, this isn't really fun because I already know what's going on. And unfortunately, like four of us out of the seven had already played Sunless Citadel as well or had been in at least one of those two sessions. So we knew what was going to happen. We kind of knew like where we had to go. Uh, but that being said, it was really interesting to play it from a different perspective or different GM's perspective. So this dungeon master, and I should look at my notes so I know what I'm talking about. So the previous dungeon master, we meet, meet this kobold named Meepo and we talk to Meepo and Meepo leads us on a journey and he gives us quests and things like this. This time we met Meepo and Meepo the kobold only spoke draconic. So, like, we had to figure out a way of, like, communicating with them. And luckily, two of us spoke Draconic. But it it really, I was upset because I'm like, my super charismatic bard who's really good at persuasion and talking to people, all of a Doesn't sudden I can't. Draconic. Yeah, like, I don't speak Draconic, <laughs> so I couldn't talk to Meepo. So I was like, well, that's kind of a disappointment. So then we get to the, like, kobold queen and we start talking to her. Well, she only speaks Draconic. And so, again, I'm just like, I'm I'm like can't exercise my like persuasion muscles this is really frustrating (laughs) um but the second time around the gm was really good at describing things and that room felt a lot more colorful and vibrant and there were more items in that room that i was really surprised i'm like oh like there's scrolls on the table like there's a weapon over here like if we wanted to we could steal some of this stuff and we had no idea that that was there the first time around then going through the the adventure there was a door that was barred to us in a previous adventure because you needed a cleric to open it with channel divinity 
well, he just let us like unlock the door and walk in. So like, and I remember all four of us who had played the adventure before were like looking at each other and we're just kind of like, really? <laughs> like, we're just going to go in here. Um, and then one of the players who had played there before knew that this whistle was a magic item. So she like ran up and grabbed the whistle really quickly. And we were kind of like, well, no one's going to fight you for it. Cause we're not like bad people, but like, that was kind of dick to take. Oh, yeah, <laughs> just that, like, that's that meta gamey yeah. starting to creep in a little yeah, bit. Where yeah. Where I'm just like, you just decide, like, I get this. I don't know. But so it was fun though. Like I had fun. I made some new friends at adventures league. Um, we were talking before the show started that, um, I was asking a couple of them who I think are just like cool people if they run games elsewhere. And they were like, no, I don't really run any games elsewhere. They were kind of new to D&D and they were looking for a way to play so that they could understand it enough so that he could run a game because he just didn't feel comfortable running a game yet. Um, so that's why he's at Adventures League. And I'm almost just like, man, I should just volunteer. Like, what are you guys doing like Friday night, like I'll totally run hot Springs Island or something and we can play some games, but, uh, and maybe I will, we'll see. Like they might be too busy or maybe I'm too busy because I, the more I think I have free time, the less free time I actually have. Um, yeah. The the whole time you're talking about that, I keep thinking in my head, the words, man, if only your game shop had a DM near them that does a YouTube channel that teaches yeah. people how to play Dungeons and Dragons. And if that person would just show up and run some adventure Jeez, league games, I know. they would actually, more players would get to play. But it's so weird that there's nobody in your area like that. <laughs> um, one of my players, or one of the players that was consistently at my table, he did take the plunge to be a dungeon master. And oh, so cool. he's he's dungeon mastering there at the, at the and I think they asked him to, but um, it's you have to do a background check in order to be a dungeon master for adventures league, which isn't a big deal. Like I'll pass a background check, but it kind of surprised me. And I guess they have to make sure that, you know, wizards of the coast is probably like everybody can play, but if you're going to run a a game, we kind of need to know that you're like a decent human being, I guess. So yeah, yeah. you can have kids at your table. So they want to make sure Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I'm in a, a nonprofit organization that that renaissance reenactment stuff and we had that big wave come through too where everybody has to have background checks to do that yeah because you can have kids at the shows or you can have kids that want to participate and there's no joke about that stuff anymore at all yeah and rightfully so like yeah yeah totally so it kind of surprised me but um so maybe i will i don't know like running adventures league seems super stressful because you have usually a minimum of seven people at your table, which just seems like way too many people to have at a table. And you're also running an adventure that you might not be super familiar with because they kind of just hand you like here. Well, I guess you can decide. I don't know now that I say it out loud, but they oh, have yeah, like, yeah. You they have like the modules that kind of tie into tomb of annihilation or whatever yeah. their latest product is. Um, but he just said, we're going to run, Sunless Citadel out of Tales of the Yawning Portal. So he's just running that adventure for us. So, yeah, yeah, no, they have adventures and, and it's sometimes better. I think they're, they're more organized if you're running the adventure league adventures to be a, something that can happen in a session, right? Mm-hmm. They're usually tailored so that you're not going to have to do two or three sessions to get through the whole thing. Uh, for the most part, they're supposed to be kind of like, you could just do this, you're done, and that would allow you to go to the next one. You write it off, yeah. you've done that one, and you could go to the next one. Whereas running a dungeon, like one of those big ones, that's that's a multi-session thing. You have to yeah. have this, you know, so that's a weird 
thing to me when you say that because I thought Adventure League was run the Adventure League adventures. And it is. There's a huge part of it that's that. But I think um, not – I don't know. I think there's a couple Dungeon Masters that are running those those actual adventures. And then – but those people are all like level 4, level 5, level 6 because they've been there consistently with the same DM. And then you run into my problem where I want to be consistent and I have been consistent. But every time I show up, it's like, oh, well, you're not level 5, so you can't play with this. Like this is yeah. a higher level tier table. Um, which I completely understand. Like I was like, no, I would die instantly at level two. Like I totally get it. Um, and I don't want my character to die, but at the same time, it's just real hard because I, Jordan's been super consistent, but the dungeon masters haven't been consistent. So I always show up and I play with like, just here's my new random group of people. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see if those, if the same group of people show up next week that showed up the past two weeks, Maybe I'll just be like, do you guys want to ditch this and go play some Hot Springs Island or something? Yeah. That'd be really fun. But Well, and, and the second thing I was thinking about that whole during that whole um, story, too, was that the most fun for me right now is when I find a player who's brand new to the game mm-hmm. and they want to play, I want to be the DM for that person. Yeah. Like, it's not a big deal for me to see, you know, to have somebody who's, oh, I've been playing for 12 years and... Now we just need some a DM to take over because we're kind of burned out. To me, I may still consider, oh, maybe I'll run a game for you guys or not. But that doesn't get me as excited as the person who says, hey, I just heard about this. I just read a little bit about it online. I, maybe I watched something. But now I want to try it myself. I'm like, I am all about, you do? Oh, okay. I'm, I'll am i set a game up for you. Let's do a one yeah, shot. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like whatever. Let's, let's get into my campaign. You know, I'm like, I'm all about those players. I just found one here in town. Um, she is a huge critical role fan. Um, she's been trying to find a, a game that she can get into. That's more consistent. And I'm like, Oh, hold on. I'll, I'll find a game. Let's run some games. I'll mm-hmm. get you in, you know, cause I'm just like, I want people that are newer to the game to play, you know? Um, oh yeah. For PB sure. was that way. PB hadn't played any role-playing games yet. She got to play in my very first session, which was a Numenera one, but then we moved to Dungeons and Dragons and it's cool for me to think that, all right, I brought new players in. I helped new yeah. players learn the game. I helped, you know, help that stuff out. So. I love that the most. That's why I like about running games at the convention, because a lot of times those people that were sitting at my table to play Mass, uh, a new generation, mm-hmm. of the seven that would sit down, only one of them in any of the games I ran would be somebody who had played before. The other six were people who had heard about it or saw it, but had never played it before and just wanted to know what it was about. And we came, signed up for a game, sat down, and we got to play and learn and enjoy a game all at the same time. And I was like, that's, that's my niche now. That's my yeah. DM niche is for me. I want to be able to play. I want to playing with new players and new, new groups and new people. Cool. Yeah, there's lots of people in chat. It's good. Yeah. Thanks for coming out and watching every, well, it's the tail end of our show at the moment, <laughs> but you can check the, ch- check the VOD or uh, we always air these on YouTube on my channel. Um, youtube.com slash Jordan with a PH in the middle. So J O R P H D A N. Um, and these come up on Monday, so you can catch it here or check it out, check it out on Sir Lucian's channel. Um, but I think we're coming to the end of our show. So if you are interested in watching, um, more of us, um, Sir Lucian's channel right here, he's doing lots of dungeon mastering and playing lots of games. So you can check out throughout the week, uh, hit that follow button so that you can, make sure that you check all of the fun content that he's putting out there. Um, And then uh, as for me, you can catch me on YouTube, like I said, and I do Dungeons and Dragons lore videos. 
So it's kind of fun. Yeah, what to... was your last one? You just did one last Wednesday. So uh, come out on Wednesdays. Merkel and Mistra. So I'm going yeah, through the Faerun Pantheon. So I'm covering all of the gods in the Faerun Pantheon. Although somebody was saying that I was saying Merkel wrong. They were like, it's Miracle. And I'm like, okay. Well, Every time I make right. something, I, I choose a pronunciation and they're just kind of like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> You did yeah, it wrong. Well, D&D is made up of all kinds of crazy names. In yeah. fact, I thought I heard the Wizards of the Coast guys like Merle's and Perkins and them. It's like, however you want to pronounce it. Yeah. How you, just like you're a DM of your game, you pronounce it the way you want to pronounce it. You know, Drow or Dro. You know, the, yeah. the, you know, there's lots of different ones. It's always. No, uh, always they, they were asking, somebody asked uh, Perkins on Twitter if they would make a and d pronunciation book. And they said they wouldn't because part of the fun is, is yeah. finding your own pronunciation for it. Um, although they're kind of doing that with D&D Beyond, I think. They're doing like actual pronunciations on D&D Beyond. So, but. Yeah. Which is it's funny, but I think I still like the idea that you can do your own and just. Oh, yeah. No, it's you know, more like Mordekainen. I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have said that unless I'd heard it somewhere else. Yeah. Mordekainen was one or Xanathars or, you know, all. all all that stuff all those so. fun weird names yeah but the yeah dragon names limerith clouth you know all the ones yeah <laughs> but thank you guys so much for coming out and watching yeah. us on our uh, our silly little stream we have a lot of fun doing it and we have a lot of fun with you guys um hanging out in the chat and watching with us so be sure to check us next week we're always um 12 p.m eastern uh, for the saturday morning DD show um we're here every saturday so come come chalk oh special guest I just yeah, remember. There you go. I just remember. You were looking at me and you were just like, I wonder if he's going to say it. So next week, we're going to have um, a guest on. Um, and so it'll be me, Sir Lucian, and then our friend Ben from Questing Beast. So Ben runs yes. a YouTube channel um, where he does like really indie kind of unknown RPGs. He covers those. And so we'll have him on and he's going to just talk to us about um, like whatever's on his mind really, but like indie RPGs and stuff. We're going to get a list of questions to ask him and he's going to hang out. So next week will be a very special episode of the Saturday morning D and D show. So be sure to come watch. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. His channel is questing beast. He has a lot of cool stuff about, like you said, indie RPGs, but he mm-hmm. also does interviews with yep. game designers and stuff, just kind of like the stuff we're doing. So it's another really cool. He does map making to tutorials. The map making um, looks really So if good. you're interested in making maps, he does really, really awesome stuff. So yeah, he's going to be on our show. So it's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm just going to plug one last time. I'm going to have a Don't Stop Thinking YouTube channel. He's a CJ from Australia. He's going to be on my uh, Standard Array show on Sunday. And we're also going to do an interview with him. And we're going to talk about um, running games at conventions, D&D, other role-playing games that we like, that whole nine yards on, on uh, Standard Array. And that's at 9 p.m. Eastern uh, because he's on Australia. So I had to work around. It's the... 21st for me but it's like the 22nd for him right. i think or something so not so tomorrow it's, like, yeah. it's next sunday <laughs> yeah. right yeah 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 next next sunday is when that one okay is, so so we have two big interviews next weekend so we're Sweet. gonna get ben and we're gonna get cj which is really cool so, so. and check out the matt colville interview because i he did another interview just the other day and ours is still better than that he did an interview with the pathfinder guys yesterday live stream uh-huh. the the people that make pathfinder and our interview was still better than that one. <laughs> so that's so, fine. All right, guys. <laughs> all right, we'll see you guys t- uh, next week. Thank you so much for watching. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.